Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. And when you have a question for me, go to Clark.com slash ask. You can also get advice from our team off the air. That's a free service of our show that's available 45 hours a week. And so if you go to the main page of Clark.com, you move down that page, you'll see how to call in for the free off-the-air advice and hours that is available to serve you. Coming up in today's Clark Rageous Moment, the U.S. House of Representatives is hatching a plot to try to restrict your constitutional rights and any legal recourse you have against a bank engaging in bad behavior or criminal behavior I'm going to tell you what this is all about and why it is absolutely disrespectful to you and to our nation's ideals and values. And later this hour, we're in a reset right now with energy, and there are many people who have felt that nuclear power was going to be part of our future. And unfortunately, there are some developments that show that nuclear isn't going to pan out And for some people in America, it's going to end up costing them a huge amount of money because of the failure of new nuclear in the United States. Talk right now about something that came out uh, in Las Vegas, all things in Las Vegas. Uh, My crew has been in Las Vegas for the big hacking show, the hackathon, whatever you call it, where people show from around the world ways to make devices more secure, websites more secure, and hackers try to break into everything. And so it's considered to be an opportunity to make technology and communications and the internet and finance all more secure. And there's a little bit of paranoia and my crew that was in Las Vegas for this because of how amazingly easy it was for people's websites and the rest to be hacked by the hackers. But one thing that came out in Vegas is an unfolding story involving Amazon and a discount cell phone provider that's been tightly tied in with Amazon called Blue, B-L-U. Blue makes a wide variety of phones from what are known as burner phones, very inexpensive budget phones, to fully featured, very nice smartphones. But Amazon is embarrassed and has suspended the sale of their partner's phones, of the Blue phones that were part of the Amazon Prime phone program, because it turns out that Blue had spy software on their phones on behalf of the Chinese. So the spyware was so intrusive that it would allow people up to no good to remotely take over your phone and get your text messages, all your calls, everything that you do on the data side, 
apparently recorded. As Amazon said, because security and privacy of our customers is of the utmost importance, all blue phone models have been made unavailable for purchase on Amazon.com until the issue is resolved. Now, this is pretty disturbing because the smartphone is pretty ubiquitous. And there's been some ugliness going on with Amazon and, by the way, with Apple involving the Chinese. And it was a big story internationally, not so much in the United States, that these two companies have been cooperating with the Red Army and the Chinese communists to allow for extreme spying on Chinese citizens and also changing how they do business to accommodate the communist authorities, the totalitarian authorities in China. So these devices can do so many great things. These phones we carry, the internet we use, wherever we use it, But the reality is that there are those in the world who wish harm either to their own citizens or to others. And right now, if you're carrying a blue phone, which I know is what you're thinking, what does this mean to me? I think pretty quickly there will be a fix for this because otherwise blue will not be able to survive as a phone vendor in the United States. And as soon as there is one for you to clear this spyware, from your blue phone, we will have that for you on Clark.com. Andrew is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You have a question for me about getting life insurance while you're still in your 20s. That's correct. I uh, just had my 29th birthday in June. Well, happy birthday. I appreciate it. You know, June Uh, is the best month of the year to have a birthday. Oh, I agree. I never had to worry about being in school or, you know, I got to go to the pool parties and whatnot. So. And the longest days of the year. That's right. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's my favorite month, too, because that's the month I was born in. So, Well, my wife and I had been talking, and I know that I need to get term life insurance. Um, and I know that I need to do it before my 30th birthday, because that's sort of the cutoff before the rates, I think, skyrocket. And I was wondering if it would be, you know, if I need to go ahead and do that now, two months in, or if I can wait, you know, right until the last minute there to go ahead and get it and still be able to walk in the the better rate. Okay, so there is no skyrocketing of rates that magically happens on a 30th birthday. Okay. So there's, the way it works with life insurance rates is they step up a little bit each year is your actuarial risk or or, um, what they call mortality risk, the chance you'll die, steps up a little more each year. But there is nothing that happens at any one birthday that suddenly makes it something that is a more difficult product to get or far more expensive. So the thing for you and your wife, Andrew, is the time to buy term life insurance is when there's somebody there to protect. And you and your wife each would benefit now and in the future from having a term life insurance policy to protect each other. Okay. And any kids yet? No, not yet, but uh, they're definitely on the horizon. So So your need right now is just to provide protection for each other. And what I recommend is that you have 
uh, what's known as a level term insurance policy, would be probably get a 30 year and buy it on yourself that would be 10 times your annual earnings and your wife okay. should buy one on herself 10 times her annual earnings and just naming each other as the beneficiaries of those policies. Okay. Because, you know, two can live cheaper than one. And in addition to the grief, if one of you were to pass away, there's also the additional financial expense from going from potentially two incomes to one or not having shared expenses in a household. So there is that need, and it's so inexpensive to buy. Okay. And I've got some shopping tools at Clark.com, including three companies that will quote you and issue you a policy immediately without having to wait the couple of months for the normal bureaucracy at an insurance company to issue a policy. That's great. So, well, I really appreciate it, Clark. And I got to give you credit. I never, ever hear from someone in their 20s about buying life insurance. Well, and, I have my wife to thank for that, Clark. Well, she's one smart lady. <laughs> So, you know, wife's always right. Mary is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Mary, you got money floating around. Cause, are you selling a house or are you just making money on it every month? Um, well, both. Right now we are making money on it, um, but we are thinking about selling the rental property only because it's a great market here in Florida. Um, we're kind of, I know you love rental properties and being a landlord, but we're kind of over that now. So if we go to sell it, I was wondering what should we do with those proceeds? Um, and I don't even know if I should be probably talking to a tax accountant about that. Uh, we don't have a house in mind right away to purchase. Right. So So that's a, that's that's a good question. So how much profit are you going to make versus what you originally paid for the property versus what it's likely to go for? Roughly, we're taking a guess at about 75000 And have you been depreciating the value of the property each year? Have you been taking that deduction that you get for having investment real estate? Yes. All right. So your, your actual profit will be higher than that because your basis oh. is adjusted by the fact that you've been depreciating each year. Okay. I hadn't thought about that. Okay. So a move that you would have to make before you would sell is you can do something known as a 1030, I always forget if it's a 1035 exchange or 1031. One is for life insurance products and the other is for sale of real estate. But you can do a tax-free exchange which is a 1031. Okay, so I had it right the first time. I shouldn't have doubted myself. You can do a 1031 where the money is held by an intermediary, but then you are on an expedited schedule to identify another property and get Mm -hmm. that closed. Okay. And since you don't want to be in the investment real estate business, I would just sell it and pay your taxes. Okay. Okay, and we were leaning towards that, but we just wanted to to check out all avenues and, and, and figure out what we need to do, which is best for us. And as far think about this. You get back 
um, whatever net, do you have a mortgage on the property? We do, yes. So you get back the net of the mortgage, you have that cash, you pay your gain, your tax on the gain, and then you've got this money that you can then use in whatever way best suits your goals. Okay. And one thing I like at a time like this, which is basically a a life change circumstance, because you're going to have a supply of cash you're not used to having, is that you go sit down for an hour with a fee-only financial planner. Yes. And there's a group that I can tell you would be good for you to go talk to and get a checkup with this in mind, and that would be Garrett Planning Network. Okay. Which works differently than most financial advisors in that you just pay them for hourly advice like you would pay a lawyer or an accountant. Got it. And Garrett is two R's, two T's. Got it. Okay. Well, I think that's great. You've been getting income from this, getting a net profit every month. Now you're going to make a nice profit on selling, on appreciated gain. And then you've got a new chapter of what you do with the money in your life. Yes. That's a good track record with real estate. Everybody wishes they were that lucky, Mary. It's time for today's Clark Rages moment. And today the Clark Rage is pinned on your congressman. It may not be your congressman because the vote was relatively close in the U.S. House, 231 to 190. But the U.S. House voted to outlaw you being able to take any action against a bank that engages in criminal activity against you or does a wrong to you, revoking your constitutional right to right a wrong with the third branch of the government, the U.S. courts. Why did the Congress do this? Because they are beholden to the dirty money of the giant monster megabanks. That's absolutely the truth. I mean, I just told you yesterday about the newest and even uglier scandal involving Wells Fargo going on in the midst of them apologizing, apologizing, apologizing for the account opening fraud that was going on there. This case, they were ripping off their own car loan borrowers, people that would go to Wells Fargo and borrow money for a car loan. Wells was then falsely adding insurance onto those auto loans, raising people's payments a lot, who did not request, did not need, and were not required to have the auto insurance. And when people would try to do something about it, Wells would stonewall. This, by the way, went on from 2012 to 2017 by Wells' own admission. Your congressman, if he or she voted for this garbage that would outlaw consumers' access to the courts, was done specifically to protect enterprises that can bend from time to time into criminal enterprises like Wells Fargo and give no ability for you to use the courts to punish them. And by the way, on this score, why 
would your congressman do this to protect the banks when nothing has happened to any of the banksters over these last 10 years for all the criminal behavior that went on in the banking business that led to the banking failures, the taxpayer bailouts of the banks and the trillions of dollars, the massive wave of unemployment that gripped the country, as well as the housing foreclosure problem, all because of criminal behavior by the banks. And they have gotten off scot-free, and the banksters are still flying around on their private jets, dining at their country clubs, on your and my back, as a taxpayer or as a customer. Absolutely clark Rages. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. Clark.com slash ask is where you go to post a question for me. You also can ask a question of a member of our team at Clark.com. You'll see how to call in for off-air advice nine hours a day, Monday to Friday. I have been a longtime believer in nuclear power as one of the ways that we in the United States could achieve energy independence. And it looks like I was as wrong as wrong could be. Nuclear power is a false dawn, a failed technology for us in the United States. And in places where nuclear has been pushed, has been an enormous failure for the taxpayers and the electrical customers, taxpayers nationwide who are taking a hit, and the customers in a state where nuclear power is on the table. South Carolina had a huge effort underway to power the state with nuclear power and failed, and now billions and billions of dollars are out the window And next door to South Carolina and the state of Georgia, they're in the midst of the same thing with roughly $24 billion on the line for two failing nuclear power construction projects that will almost certainly be shuttered as well. So if that's not going to work, what is working very well is natural gas. Natural gas that we have an abundance in the United States. And because of new methods of extraction, principally hydraulic fracking, uh, natural gas is a steal of a deal and is finding all kinds of uses because natural gas burns much cleaner than many other things, especially coal, which is a really dirty fuel. Natural gas is cheaper than coal, and can power vehicles, UPS a big player doing that, and buses around the country in many metro areas now running on natural gas, work trucks, more and more of those are appearing running on natural gas, and then homes are heated with it, and power plants are powered by it. And we have a supply of natural gas that is maybe not inexhaustible, but is gigantic. In addition, the breakthroughs with wind power in the United States are enormous. When the idea was harnessed to just have politicians blow hot air 
and have it be captured by wind. No. <laughs> Sorry. The modern windmills are so incredibly efficient and can generate power potentially cheaper than any other source. And now there's a breakthrough in being able to store the energy produced by windmills so that there are times that the wind will be blowing strong and it produces more energy that can be used at that time. And now there are new techniques for storing that power to be able to provide it to you. So in addition to that, solar is getting more and more efficient, cheaper and cheaper, and is right on the cusp of being able to provide a off-the-grid energy solution to people and will be a massive help to people in rural areas, both wind and solar, where people will be able to have basically their own power farm at their home or their farm or ranch and not have to pay the much higher costs involved in providing power in rural areas. Technology is doing so much to reduce our dependence on so many things. And who knew that the United States on the oil front is doing so well with producing oil that we are destabilizing the dictatorships that live on pumping oil in OPEC. And when you go in to buy fuel at a gas station, buy gasoline, the price you're paying is so much lower because of the ingenuity of American oil companies. So I want you to know we have, even though I was flat out 100% wrong on nuclear, and if you go back, you can find note after note on our show notes where I was singing the praises of nuclear, I was wrong. And as human beings, we learn over time that we things we think we see completely clearly, we just blow it. And we're wrong on them, and I was on this. And unfortunately, at great cost to the U.S. Treasury, to taxpayers, and then in individual states, to ratepayers for energy. But there are so many things that have emerged that I didn't see, especially the emerging of natural gas as a natural and much cheaper and much cleaner replacement fuel for coal, which has basically no role to play as part of the U.S. economy. Adam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Adam. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Adam. You are interested in buying a new vehicle. And so you right now rank as the only person in America looking for a new vehicle based on the sales numbers released by automakers yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. It means that the deals get better for you and other people who are in the market to buy a vehicle because the automakers can't seem to scare up any buyers right now. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, so um, my wife, she drives a small 2005 sedan. Uh, we were thinking about having kids soon and thinking that we were going to need probably some more, something a little bit bigger. And she saw the um, recently announced Subaru Ascent, and she was kind of interested in it, but it'll be the first model uh, vehicle 
you know, when it's released next year. And I've kind of, I've always heard not to buy it the first year that it's released, I guess because of a possible design flaw. Now, I so think that, I think that vehicle's coming out in just a month or two. Okay. But Maybe the, you're right, yeah. But the thing about it is a first-year model, Subaru, as a smaller automaker, has done a brilliant job at building vehicles off the same platform. And okay. that SUV is constructed on the same platform as the Impreza, which has been around for years and years, with the same engine that has been in that. So there's less risk with a first-year model when it's not all new from scratch design and it's really just a modification of an existing vehicle platform. Okay, so you wouldn't have any concern with us getting that? Well, here's how I would put it. Normally buying the first year of any model is a giant risk on quality control and reliability, but it's heavily reduced when it's just a modification of an existing platform. It is a higher level of risk than something in its second or third year of production, but a moderate level of risk when it's a modification instead of all new. Okay. So I'd say that you just calculate risk in life, and this is a relatively smaller risk. Okay. That's good news. And Subaru continues to outperform what anybody in the automotive business thinks they should be able to do with their size because people love their cars. I've never owned one. I don't even know if I've ever driven one, but it's been a very, very, very successful brand. Yes, we're we're, uh, similar. We've never owned one, but we've always heard good things about them. So I was wanting to try one out you know, safety, I've always heard they're really safe vehicles, too, so it's a big concern. Well, all I can tell you is that if you're going to have kids, real men drive minivans, not SUVs. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot more room, a lot more space, but that's just me. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hi, Clark. Happy belated birthday. Well, thank you very much. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, and I've been looking forward to this call for a long time. Oh, tell me. Well, I'm 66, and I wonder if I should start collecting Social Security now. Only if you need it. No, sir, I don't. So wait till your 70th birthday. It's the greatest gift to wait those four years, because what happens is embedded in every year you wait is an increase and what you receive of about 8%. I now, read that there's a cap of 2687. Is that true? I don't know, but I'm going to give you a tool that I want you to spend $40 on to make sure that I'm right, or if your situation makes it a different answer, that you should follow a different path. And it's a website called MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Okay. And what it does is it allows you to put in your exact circumstance. And for that $40 license, it will allow you to play different scenarios 
and it will be able to guide you to the exact year and month of your life that for your situation, it would be wisest for you to take your Social Security check. Oh, that's great advice. I I did want you to know my my wife feels that we should begin collecting now to keep the government from using our money. Well, we are the government. I mean, let's (laughs) face it. We are all, all of us collectively, if we don't like our government, it's all our own fault. And there's such an advantage over a lifespan, particularly if you live um, a good long lifetime, there's a direct advantage to getting a bigger check from the get-go because then every month, every year after that, when the COLA adjustments happen, it's off a larger base. Now, Usually your break-even point will be sometime in your early 80s if you delay till 70 to take it. But the real issue is that if you're in a position where you have the resources to handle it without that check, later in life maybe you won't be as flush in resources and having a bigger check is more to your advantage. But again, for your specific situation, John, you got to run this analysis that's available on this MaximizeYourSocialSecurity.com website. Oh, great. Well, Brilliantly I designed. I'm living to 100, so I plan on getting all back plus some. Well, good job. A hundred. That's a long life. Joanna's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joanna. Hi. Joanna, you, speaking of long life, you have <laughs> parents that are headed towards a 50th anniversary? Yeah, in three years. Wow. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah, I would have to live to like year 600 to make it to no not that long make it to 50 years it's a long time (laughs) yeah how can i be of service to you with with them hitting 50 well they want to take uh all their kids and their families on a cruise to alaska for the 50th anniversary well every family would be paying for their own and uh we are wondering how the best how to get the best deals on like a group rate on a cruise and how best to save up until then. Well, you don't necessarily want to do any kind of group rate, but what you do want to do is one thing you can do is you can put that cruise out for bid. Oh. There's a website called cruisecompete.com where different okay. cruise agencies compete for the business. And because you're going to need a number of cabins, it makes mm-hmm. it more competitive for that bid. Okay. And so what I'd like for you to do is target what what particular time you're looking at, see what cruises sail at that time. How many young kids are there? Uh, there will probably be four under the age of 10. Okay. And all the rest of the kids will be older. And will they be talking teenagers or adults? Uh, teenage. So teenagers... In particular, you got to be careful what cruise line you go on because the ones that are geared towards an older clientele, teenagers will be bored out of their minds. <laughs> yeah, probably true. So I would do some reading before you even do something like Cruise Compete. Go to Cruise Critic okay, and read reviews of various ships that you find that are going to be sailing during the anniversary summer and narrow okay. down what cruise lines and what ships you might want to look at and then that helps you target in on what you're going to bid on. 
Okay. In addition, Great. are you a Costco member? Yes, we are. Costco travel, I'm, I, I have heard, I don't know this is true, is the largest booker of cruise cabins now in the United States. Oh, wow. Because they rebate most of the commission to the member. Oh, nice. Okay. So it's always a good idea to get price quotes from them, knowing that the commission embedded in it comes back most all of it to you. Okay. Yeah, that's a great idea. So uh, spend a lot of time, though, before you go to any other step, spend a lot of time on Cruise Critic reading line by line and ship by ship to narrow down so that the teenagers and the younger kids have a great time. you got to focus on them even more than the parents you're trying to make sure have a wonderful 50th anniversary celebration because they'll have a great time being with family regardless of what ship you're on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel, ask your question for you. Yeah, Clark Seamus wrote in. He said, when using credit cards recently overseas, I was asked if I would like to charge in American dollars or local currency. What's the best answer to that question? The answer is very simple. Always say no thanks to the American dollars. Have them clear in the currency of the country you're in. This is a I don't know if you'd call it a scam or just a flat-out huge ripoff. What's happening is that, and this is happening everywhere else in the world, is when you go to do a transaction, the credit card processing machine will ask you if you want to clear in dollars or whatever the currency is, euros, pounds, yen, whatever. And if you think, oh, I'll just clear it in dollars, what happens is they charge you a massive exchange rate penalty that makes the purchase of whatever you're buying six to ten percent more expensive it is something the banks have have dreamt up and it is so incredibly harmful to you as a traveler and just remember always clear in the local currency and while we're on that topic make sure you have a credit card that doesn't charge you foreign currency junk fees they're widely available. You got to have one to travel. You're listening to the Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on the Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off air for free, nine hours a day. If you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center, 
and you can get that free off-the-air advice.